That's life, right? Amen. Wow. Thank you, Lord. There's life in your word. Who is it that always says that? Joyce Meyer, right? Life in, life in the word. Wow. Well, turn with me to Jonah. It's after Obadiah and before Micah. <laughs> Does that help? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's in the old and it's relevant for right now. Relevant for right now. And after a after a pretty good study in this, I've determined that forgive me, Marge, I gotta say this. This ain't just another big fish story. Because <laughs> there, are, there are some, even biblical scholars, that think that it's just a, it's a, it's a, like an illustration, more or less. But I'm convinced. I'm going to give you a few scriptures for history. It has messianic connections. Um, let me just read um, I wrote down some of the ways that it impacted me and what I saw and I I wrote it down I usually don't do that but uh, I just want to read to you um, the way it affected me when I studied it and this word um, it came out of uh, struggles that I was having um praying for uh, people that have let themselves be, become vessels of all this evil. And it was hard for me to break through and to want to pray for these people. Um, so the Lord took me to Jonah and uh, ministered to me, got me uh, re-examining priorities um, back on the right, right track. So... Um, Anyway, here's some of my thoughts. Uh, Jonah's story is a profound illustration of God's mercy, grace, goodness, and kindness. And it really impacted me that mine is nothing like his. And boy, I need to uh, know him more and get more of... uh, things out of the way in my heart so he can just come right through there. Um, But Jonah was one of the most successful prophets yet one of the most reluctant. He was even angered at his own success when the people repented and God extended his mercy. Jonah had hoped that God would destroy them. Through Jonah... God reminded Israel of its missionary purpose. Through Jonah, God reminded Israel of its missionary purpose. Genesis 22, verse 18. All the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. And that command was Abraham willing to sacrifice his son. So there's a, there's a picture right there of our Messiah. Um, The word blessed there, Baruch, um, the first thing it says in the word study is 
to bend the knee. So I thought it was interesting. All the nations of the earth, you could say, will bend the knee. It just hit me that way. It's kind of a, you know, that, that is their, um, that's their mission. And they were, I believe, being reminded of it through, through Jonah. And I believe that's also relevant for Israel today and for the body of Messiah. Jonah is a type of Messiah's death and resurrection. Matthew 12, 39 to 41. Three days after his death, Yeshua came back to life. Just as Jonah was given a new opportunity for life after three days in the, and nights in the fish. Jonah is also a sign. Luke 11, 29-30. What happened to Jonah was a sign to the people of Nineveh that God had sent him. And what happens to me, Yeshua said, will be a sign that God has sent me, the Son of Man, to these people. The book of Jonah was written after Jonah returned from his mission and had time to reflect on its importance. After he had time to reflect. Some have called the book the Acts of the Old Testament. I believe that's very fitting. Um... Because it demonstrates that God is willing to have mercy on all who seek Him in humility and sincerity. The repentance of the people of Nineveh postponed the destruction of the city for roughly 150 years. So, um, anyway, I, um, I asked the Lord, why a fish? In fact, that's what I named, the, named this teaching. Why a fish? Why did you use a fish? And, and I didn't hear um, his voice directly, but I felt him speak into my, into my heart. And, um, and the Lord said, is that an everyday occurrence? Someone staying alive in, a, in a, the belly of a fish for three days and three nights? I said, no, Lord. And he, and he said, is it? Um, is it a miracle? And I said, yes, I believe it is. He said, well, is there any question then who did it and that it's real, it's not a story? Right? And, you know, I realized what the Lord did. He took something that He created and it wasn't created for the purpose that He used it, but He took something that He created that wasn't created for that purpose and used it to deliver his prophet. Is there any question that whose hand did that? I don't believe that it could even be, even be questioned. And um, also, I believe that um, this, is a, this is a picture um, just like they said that some have called it the Acts of the Old Testament. 
This is a picture of the gospel being, being given to the Gentiles. And um, I was reminded of in Matthew 4, uh, when the Lord called, uh, see, he called first, Peter and Andrew. Um, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the Lord, the Lord, I believe another reason he chose the fish is because this is a picture of the gospel going to the Gentiles. This is a type, a shadow, a picture. Um, and it's also, um, I believe, a, a fore picture of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. I believe it's very um, uh, before we even look at the practical things for our lives that we're going to look at I wanted to look at the messianic connection because I believe that's, that's very very important but I believe that um, uh, this is, was not only relevant then but it's relevant for right now today And as I was speaking about um, what impacted me um, was God's mercy. What a, what a picture of mercy, not only to the people of Nineveh, but also to the prophet. Because he knew what he was doing when he ran. It wasn't like he didn't know. He ran because he didn't want those he didn't want um, those people delivered. He wanted them destroyed. And he knew the nature of our God, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, because he even stated that. Um, so this was an out-and-out -out rebellion, is what it was. Because he knew. He knew, he knew better. And he thought just changing the, his position was going to um, somehow nullify the commission that he was given. Of course, I wrote down some points. Um, and we all know that you can't hide from our Lord. Uh, nothing in, in all creation is hidden from his sight, he says in Hebrews 4.13. So everything is brought to his attention. Uh, David writes in Psalm 139, verse 7, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? So I think Jonah knew he couldn't, I, I think he knew he couldn't get away from God's presence. Um, he was just hoping that to change a location, maybe God would change his mind about the commission. Maybe, <laughs> but... You know, who can stop the Lord Almighty like the song said today. Um, so I want to, um, I'm not going to read the whole text. As I look around, I'm sure everybody here knows the whole text fairly well. Um, I want to pick out some uh, key verses um, right from the beginning. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. 
Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. The Living Bible says that your wickedness rises before me. It smells to the highest heaven. So there was a lot of evil. There was a lot of wickedness there. But right in the same verse, the Lord says, basically what He's saying is, is go, go warn them. So all this evil that has risen up, all this wickedness that has risen up to the, our Lord, and it, it's, it was so much that it smelled. He could smell it in heaven. But yet, in the same breath, go warn them. Wow. I got, I, even if I think about it. What mercy. What mercy. And I didn't want to pray for... I didn't want to pray for the Biden administration. I mean, I'm being, I'm being honest. It was so hard to really have my heart into... And I, and I knew it was wrong, but it was such a battle. But anyway, this was, this was such an encouragement to me. To, and, you know, the Lord wanted to get me back on the right path, so He took me, took me right where I needed to be, right here. So what happens is Jonah ends up at sea in a great storm. And I wrote down many times our sin brings on the storms in life. Many times the storms are self-inflicted. In fact, I think there may be more self-inflicted storms than there are things that just come our way. I'm gone for my own, my own life, you know. But that was uh, one of the points that really hit me. Um, verse four. But the Lord sent out a great wind upon the sea, and there was a violent tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken. And and a lot of times, our sin and the storm that it brings affects others, as we see here. Um, Verse 6, so the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Jonah was asleep. Arise, call upon your God. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us so that we shall not perish. So what they did, they, they wanted to be sure uh, who brought it on, so they cast lots, and of course it fell on Jonah. So they knew for sure that Jonah was the cause of it all. And you really got to, in a way, I know that they all spoke to their own gods, but you, you really have to hand it to them. They tried everything they could so they wouldn't have to throw Jonah overboard. You know, I had read this many times, but it really didn't, 
hit me like that before so much. Um, never, verse 13, Nevertheless, the men, men rode hard to bring the ship to land, but they could not, for the sea became more and more violent against them. Therefore they cried to the Lord, We beseech you, O Lord, we beseech you, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So the whole thing even got, it even got them looking to the Lord. You know, um, Lord, you're so amazing. It's like you got it all all planned out every step of the way and it's always to bring deliverance it's always to bring life and i realized more than ever that the our god the way he judge the way he judges his wealth is in the souls that he has it really hit me that's his wealth the souls that he can snatch out of the hands of the enemy. Because everything with our God is about souls. Everything is about relationship. Everything is about people. I knew it, but it just hit me, I think, more, more clearly. Maybe it, it's because of the times too. You know, the urgency and everything. Everything all taken in. You know, when we look, the evil that we see, you know, and sometimes we forget that behind the scenes, even when he, we don't see him, he's busy, 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 and it's all about souls. It's always about souls, and it must be that way with me. It must be that way with me, you know. Um, talking about, you know, the catch and being fishermen, you know, and I, I love um, Proverbs 11, verse 30. And I love it in the way it's worded in the Amplified. It says, the fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise captures human lives for God. As a fisher of men, he gathers and receives them for eternity. That's our, that's our call. That's our call. And it really, um, I say renewed, me, it revived me, it refreshed me, it renewed me, you know, studying Jonah. It was things I knew, but I just needed to be, be reminded, I guess. Too much looking around, maybe, you know, and not enough focus. But So they, verse 15, so they took up Jonah and cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. So, I have, Adonai is merciful and compassionate on the sailors. Then the men, verse 16, reverently and worshipfully feared the Lord exceedingly, and he offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared and appointed. I like, a, I like appointed there really good. Yeah, the word study. Both words are from the word study. But 
I uh, like appointed. Appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then Jonah in chapter 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord from the fish's belly. And what always, I'd say the last, probably in the last six months, I'd looked at Jonah, look at this text a lot of times. And there's a verse in that, uh, in this prayer that really, really stood out. And I knew there was something in the, in the verse, you know, and I just wanted to go like, have the Lord peel, peel off a couple layers, you know. And sometimes you got to keep, like you got to keep going back sometimes. I don't know, maybe we're in a better frame at sometimes than we are at certain times, you know. But I, but I kept going back, and that's verse 8. Um, in the Amplified, it says, Those who pay regard to false, useless, and worthless idols forsake their own source of mercy and loving kindness. So that verse... In the King James, it says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Now, I believe that Jonah prayed that, and I believe he may have been referring to the sailors all calling upon their own gods. I don't believe, but he may have, I don't believe that he knew that that really was him. His anger and his preconceived thoughts about Nineveh and the people of Nineveh had actually become an idol. It's not only things that can become, a mindset can become an idol. I think that's why that verse was really, I knew there was more there to get out of this, you know, that we could apply to our, our lives. Um, the word observed there in the Hebrew, shamar, it means to keep, to guard, to protect, to hedge around. To hedge around. Okay, that... So what we can do, if we observe godly things, we keep and we guard them. If we, if we keep His Word, there's a hedge protection around that because we want to keep it. Okay? Your Word I hide in my heart that I, might, I may not sin against you. Psalm 119 verse 11. Okay? But it works the other way too. Okay? We can... We can put a hedge around, a fortress around these idols. And then it's, you know, if you notice, even after he prayed, he still had the anger. Okay? Because a stronghold is, doesn't form overnight and it doesn't, it breaks like that in the spirit, but it doesn't break like that in the natural. Amen? It's like our salvation. 
you know, our positional salvation, we're saved like that. Positionally, we're right there. Okay? But we have a progressive salvation. Right? Philippians 2.12. Right? Continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So it's the same thing with like a, these mindsets. We, you know, um, Proverbs... Proverbs 18, verse 19. Uh, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And his contentions separate him like the bars of a castle. Okay, this, this speaks of an offended brother and it speaks of just what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, thoughts that have become idols. They have become a fortress. And that's basically what a when you see stronghold, um, some people uh, refer to it as stinking thinking. You've heard probably preachers say that, okay? But we have the power, 2 Corinthians 10, right? Um, our weapons are not mere weapons of flesh and blood, but they, are, they have um, divine power, right? That is dunatos, to demolish strongholds so we can take authority over them and demolish them and spiritually it's done like that but I believe why he still Jonah still had the anger even after he prayed and I believe it was a sincere prayer he prayed from the belly of the fish but he still had uh, the stinking thinking you know he has to work through that as a process um, Lying vanities. Wow. That makes me want to get rid of my idols. You know, we were uh, studying Torah last night, Torah Club with Sylvia, and the subject was wisdom. And, uh, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Basically, what that's saying, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. All right? And um, in Psalm 86, verse number 11, David said, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And there's... There's the fear of the Lord as most of us know it. And then there's the, fear, there's the true fear of the Lord the way God sees the fear of the Lord. And that's nothing else in the heart. That's why David prayed for an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And he, what, what was he talking about? Idols. David wanted to get all, everything else out of the heart so he could true, give the Lord the true fear. You know, being a, afraid, a healthy afraid, because we know that he can judge, okay? But we know that that's the last thing he wants to do. Because he's so merciful, okay? So we, we have the awe and the reverential and the worshipful fear. But at the same time, we have a healthy fear because we know that he is the judge. Okay, so 
it all goes back, they hear, everything goes back to the heart. And um, we see what the idols can do. What the idols can do. It made the prophet run. Angered. And one of the people judged instead of delivered. So it makes me just want to deal with my, my stinking thinking. It makes me want to pray that prayer from Psalm and mean it from Psalm 86, 11. Give me an, unite my heart. Make it be undivided, Lord, that I may truly fear your name. That I may give you all the, all the, um, everything that's due you, the pure worship, the true fear of the Lord. I believe that is very much missing. I do. I, you know, I know it's missing from my life and, and I'm always in the Word. I'm in the Word every day and it's missing from my life. And I struggle. You know, Peggy, I'm sure you do too. You're in the Word all the time. That's uh, good that we're in the Word, you know. We don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. But this really made me want to address my stuff is what it did. I hope that... Um, and it's, that's a, that's an, and I was encouraged at the same time. It definitely was not... The Lord didn't give me this and He didn't rebuke me. But He gave it to me to steer me because He loves me so much. He wanted to steer me back on the path I should be on. And how many times did David... Pray those kind of prayers. Right? And I don't have a heart like David. I want one. But I'm not there yet. <laughs> so, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land this baby here soon. <laughs> it's good stuff, you know. It's hard to, this is so good. It's hard to, it's hard to condense it. And uh, it's so hard, yeah, it's so hard, uh, and uh, my gift is not preaching, you know, I'm a teacher, so I naturally want to get to all the, uh, you know, <laughs> it's all good, Lord, it's all good, it's all you, and it's all your word, you breathed every word of this, Lord, um, I believe there's a, uh, a chapter 4 um, after the people repented, the end of 3. That God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God revoked his sentence of evil that he had said that he would do to them. And he did not do it, for he was comforted and eased concerning them. Why? Because they truly did repent. They truly did repent. And it, it didn't take much preaching. It was only, I think, one sentence, right? His sermon. I didn't have time to really go there. Uh, here it is. 3-4. And Jonah began to enter the city uh, a day's journey, and he cried, yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. That was his sermon. So it wasn't his... Yes, he did the word has to be preached because how can they hear without someone to preach to them the word has to be preached but it wasn't I believe I believe and you probably heard those on the call have heard me say this before 
You know, Romans 2 verse 4, it is the goodness of God that bring us to repentance. It is the goodness of God and the kindness of God and the grace of God that brings us to repentance. Yes, he uses the prophetic, you know, that's not, that's not gone with the, with the old either. Still here. Okay? And when we re-speak his words, what are we doing? We're, we're operating in the prophetic. We may, we're not a prophet. We may not have the gift of it. But we're operating in the role. Everyone can. As we see from Jonah, he uses empty vessels. He didn't say anything about perfect vessels. If he did, you wouldn't see me up here today. (laughs) My wife will testify. (laughs) He's not perfect. can always count on a wife to really <laughs> give testimony. <laughs> like that, Margie? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I believe that word from Proverbs. I see it. That's right. You find a wife, a true wife, you find a good thing. Proverbs 18.22. Oh, know it well. The other one is Proverbs 31.30, I believe. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So I am very grateful, thankful for my wife. Um, so anyway, for it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. Even after everything that happened, the stinking thinking was still there. But I believe he got the victory over it. It doesn't, you know, we don't know, but I, because his prayer, I believe, was sincere. You know, he's human. Sometimes I need a building to fall on me to get it right. Anybody else? <laughs> Very angry. Well, the Hebrew for that is to burn, to be kindled, to glow with anger, incensed, to be indignant. Wow. It points to the fire or heat of the anger just after it has been ignited. Wow, he was angry. Whew. But anyway, um, I want to skip. I want to skip over to what I believe is an object lesson at the end. Um, 4 6. And the Lord prepared a gourd. Uh, That could be uh, also called a castor oil plant, I believe. Some. Persians may say that. Mine says, mine says gourd. The Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to deliver him from his evil situation. So Jonah was exceedingly glad to have the protection of the gourd. But God prepared a cut worm when the morning dawned the next day and it smote the gourd so that it withered. 
And when the sun arose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, so that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, excuse me, it is better for him to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the loss of the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. He was still pretty angry. Verse 10. Then the Lord said, You have had pity on the gourd for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. So, um, you know how uh, prophecy said, it might, it, might, it might have been in Second Timothy, it says that um, they shall worship created things rather than the Creator. Okay? That's idols. And that, you know, yeah, idols own the unsaved people. So I believe all these, you know, everywhere in the text where it talks about lying vanities and is all for the body. Okay? Um, so the Lord was, an object lesson, was saying, you have more compassion and you care more for the created things which are so temporary, it can come up and be gone in one day. What an object lesson. And then again, he's using his things he created to, for lessons. Okay, verse 11. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons not yet old enough to know their right hand from their left, and also many cattle not accountable for sin. And the Living Bible says 120,000 people in utter spiritual darkness. Okay? In utter spiritual darkness. And that's what the Lord was concerned with. And that's what He was concerned with. And... And the evidence of me having a heart like his, my priority would be, would be people in the, in the condition of their souls. This is an object lesson greatly for us, I believe. It's relevant. It, it's, it may even be more relevant today than it was then. Because we're, uh, you know, I don't, know nothing about times and dates and I don't even get into that because the Lord's message is to be ready. Right? To be ready. But I know that, these, that we are closer than we've ever been. Okay? It's just that the Lord is so, so patient. Right? Second Peter. He's so patient and long-suffering. That he would do anything to get as many saved as he can. Amen. So if he 
If there is a delay, then that's the reason for the delay. The delay is salvation. And I believe it's some um, versions even, it's even worded that way. Second Peter 3, I believe it is. Um, so anyway, I believe the relevancy, because of the urgent times that we're in, this is so relevant, and it really affected me. It got me asking myself questions, examining my heart. Who are my Ninevites? Who are they? Is there anybody that I have that mindset toward? And it was a family member. He's, his, um, he's caused a lot of pain, hurt people that I love very much, and I didn't want to pray for him. I had stopped praying for him. I hate to admit that, but I just want to be real and transparent. Lord already knows, but I believe the transparency is, is important in the body of Messiah. Um, but the Lord didn't. He came at me with love. And it's just overwhelming. It really is the way He is with us. You know? Um, When I think back, all the mercy that he's extended me in my life, walking away, being on fire for the Lord, and then, you know, ending up being lukewarm, not in fellowship, and then just there with open arms, saying, son, come back. Never said, you can't, Teach, you can't preach because you did this. That's why I'm, you always hear me say, I'm honored and I'm humbled when I'm called on. Honored and humbled at the same time. Because the mercy, the forgiveness, the grace, the love. Lord, we want to be like that, Lord. I was thinking about the first sermon I ever uh, preached. Mom was there, and here she is today. Just turned 94. But I was thinking about the first sermon I ever preached, and I remembered the title of it, and it was... I'm, I'm almost done. I just wanted to share this. I remember the title of it. It was called Determined to Know Him More. And it was from Philippians 3.10. Saul, for my determined purpose is to know Him and know Him more intimately, the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, and somehow to be conformed into His image and likeness. Wow. But that was the first. And you know what? Lord, I want to know You more. We want to know You more. Lord, and as I look at this text that You put before us, Lord, and I see your mercy in the way you look at souls and see people. It lets me know that I need to know you more. Lord, I need more of you and less of me. So Lord, I pray that in these days, Lord, even today, tomorrow, the next day, that we would examine ourselves, Lord, and ask ourselves these questions. 
Who are our Ninevites? Is there anyone that we feel that we, would, we don't really have the passion to see them delivered? Lord, I pray that we would look at that. Lord, I pray that we would bring it before you. Take the authority that you give us, Lord. It, the authority of your word and in your name, Lord. And we would take authority over that, Lord. And I, that you would destroy those strongholds, Lord. And that that would be lived out in our lives, Lord. That you would be glorified, Lord. That the kingdom would be preached. There would be fruit because the, har- the field is white with harvest, Lord. So that, Lord, that we would just... Uh, Have the passion, the pureness of heart, Lord, just to get out there and go to whom you tell us to go to. Not even think of anything else. Just be focused on the deliverance like you were with the people of Nineveh. You were with us, every one of us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We look to you. With you, there is always hope. And the hope that we have anchors our souls. So Lord, we give you all thanks and praise, Lord. All the glory. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the word you have given us. Lord, help us to apply these words to our lives. We thank you for the, your presence and power and your grace in our lives. We know, Lord, because of you that we will be able to apply these things to our lives. In Yeshua's name, amen.